This morning, on this last day, basically, that we'll gather here in this congregation with our little band of believers here at RHC, we want to greet all of you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And this morning, as I proclaim uh, God's word, we do, we do so by his grace that there are three main objectives, I think, that we'd like to always offer when we stand behind the pulpit. And as number one, that I might point us, each one, to Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who gave his life and shed his blood on the cross, that we might have our sins forgiven. And we're so thankful that he's redeemed us, He's declared us righteous before God the Father, and he has sanctified or set us apart to live holy lives before him. And number two, that we might give honor and glory to our God alone and nothing to ourselves. And number three is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and I, to our heart, through the living word of God. To accomplish this this morning, we have entitled this Looking Back, actually, uh, to follow the context, context of this chapter 12. Uh, we will not actually be doing this, but there are some areas here that we will uh, be showing us that in, during this past year what's happened uh, in our lives. But in verse 3, we'll start Romans 12 Verse 3, you might open your Bibles there if you would please, for those that you have uh, Bibles. And he's in Romans 3, chapter, or verses 3 through 8, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according, according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if they prophesy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. He starts out in verse 3, and he says, for by the grace, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, for by the grace given to me, The grace given to me, we see here that he's showing that this is undeserved, unearned favor that God called the Apostle Paul to, called Paul to be an Apostle, and it also produced humility in his life, as we see here when he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He is actually showing us uh, that we need to live humble lives, lives filled with humility, 
and only by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot do this of ourselves. It's only by the Spirit of Almighty God. I hope my voice will stay with me here. But then he says that he ought to think, more highly than he ought to think, with sober judgment. We see here that uh, sober judgment... I'm sorry. Sober judgment, it will lead us as believers to think of ourselves as nothing. It shows us here that uh, back in 3a that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And then it, in verse 4 he goes on and he says, by the measure of faith that God has assigned... Each one of us has been given a measure of faith. And this also, too, this measure of faith is a gift that is given to us uh, that is unearned and completely undeserved. Verse 4, Paul says, For as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Just like we here at RHC, we're not a lot of us, but there is many. And we all have various functions, various gifts that God gives us. And these gifts are to be used for the edifying of the body of Christ and to bring us all into unity. And he says then in verse 5 that we are one body in Christ, that we enjoy many privileges and blessings in Christ. These gifts, as I said, are to bring honor and glory for God, and they are to cause us to have a great unity in the body. And he goes on in verse 6, 7, and 8, and he tells us uh, the various gifts of grace that he has used us. He identifies these. And he says, first prophecy, he says, in proportion to our faith, here he identifies the skill uh, of public proclamation of the Word of God, one who has personal insight uh, into the gospel of Christ or the same message given by the apostles, and the one who also teaches and exhorts, one who has ability to clarify and explain God's Word. And I want to thank Pastor Phil for... Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, uh, getting up and going through the Word of God and proclaiming it in its clarity. And also, I don't think there's been a Sunday that's gone by that he does not fail to give us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And I thank God for that. And then he says, if service, in our serving, we, we know there are those here that have the gift of service. Uh, basically, in the Greek word, that is as deacon, and it refers to those who serve others and, or the gifts of help. And there's so many here who completely give their time uh, for the body of Christ here are 
our little band of believers here who continually just give of themselves in so many ways. And we are so thankful to God for each one of you for that gift that you use for us. Then he goes on and he says, he who contributes in generosity. Uh, This speaks of those who have the gift of giving, someone who gives from the heart uh, with no strings attached. They completely, open-hearted, give uh, to the needs of the body without any fanfare, without receiving any thanks whatsoever. And that is a gift for those who just willingly uh, share of their time, of their money, uh, for the good of the body. And praise the Lord for you. Then he says, one who leads with zeal. This is speaking about those who uh, lead with, means to guide or to administrate. There are those who have leadership, of course, in our home or in our churches. Uh, Those of you who are fathers, it's your responsibility to lead, uh, to administrate in your home, to uh, bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and to watch over uh, your home. And to those of us who are elders in the church, it's our responsibility to watch over the spiritual needs of the body. Uh, We are to uh, take that very seriously. We are concerned uh, for the body here, that you might grow and mature in the faith. And then lastly, he says, in mercy with cheerfulness. One who is sensitive uh, to the needs of others who are hurting and suffering. Um, It really means, literally, the one who hurts and weeps with them. Um, there are those that have a special gift that when someone's hurting or someone's suffering that they can come alongside and completely give of themselves uh, to the needs of that hurting person. And mercy always follows, or cheerfulness always follows mercy because that lifts that person up when you go to visit someone in the hospital or uh, someone like that and they're suffering, uh, you want to offer them cheer, uh, lift their spirits. So here we've seen just a few areas of what the gifts of grace uh, do in our lives. And we've seen a few areas here where, where God... Uh, has used our body to, uh, uh, with various gifts to bring honor and glory to himself. Uh, for just real quickly, we're going to look at just the remainder of the chapter here of the manifestations of these gifts of grace. I'm just going to read through them rather quickly and to show the marks of a true believer. In verse 9, he says, let love be genuine. Let it be real. Let it be sincere. 
Abhor what is evil. Hate that which is evil. And he says, hold fast to that which is good. We're to love that which is good. And number 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Speaking of family affection, basically there. John 13, 35 says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By the love that you have one for another. Outdo one another in showing honor. In verse 11, he says, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit. We are to have enthusiasm. Uh, Fervent in spirit literally means to boil in the Spirit. We are to be very fervent and zealous. 12, rejoice in hope. Uh, We look for Christ's return. We're longing for that time. And he says, weep with those who weep. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Be patient. Patient in suffering. Be constant in prayer. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians says, and everything give thanks. Verse 13, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Speaking of mutual sharing, open our hearts and our homes to strangers, especially fellow believers. And there are many here that exercise these gifts. We see that from time to time, and we're so thankful for this. In verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Treat our enemies as our friends. Matthew tells us, Jesus says, love our enemies. Verse 15, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be glad when others are blessed. Be compassionate when others suffer, when others hurt. Verse 16, he says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Do not be proud. Do not set yourselves above others. Live in humility. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thanks, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all men. We are, as believers in Christ, are to have good behavior around others, especially unbelievers, so we can show, be a living testimony for Christ. And verse 18 tells us, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Do all that is within your power to live at peace with all. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but love but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Remember that God has the final say. Justice will be accomplished. Because he says, Vengeance is mine, he will repay.
Verse 20 and 21, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When we treat our enemies with love and kindness, it will bring the pain of shame and guilt back upon them. So we're thankful for these marks that show that of a true believer in Christ. So here in God's word, we have seen ways in which we have used the gifts of grace which God has given we, you and I as believers by his Holy Spirit alone. May we each be blessed and may God receive all the glory. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul starts out and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. When he says, therefore, we see that word, we need to look back. And see what Paul was referring to when he used that word. He wants us to see the mercies of God in chapters 1 through 11. So we have to kind of go back and do a little synopsis here of of these verses. And we're going to look at uh, chapter... Chapter 1, verse 16. To begin with, we see these great mercies that he offers us, these promises. First in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Here we see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is to all who believe. In Romans 1.20, just a few verses over, <clears throat> he says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are, out, are without excuse. Everyone is without excuse, whether you're Jew, Gentile, whoever. You are without excuse. Romans 3.10. Here he's talking, he says, For we have already charged that all both Jews and Gentiles are under sin. He says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned to side together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So we see there that there is no one that has any righteousness of our own. We're all worthless. There's no righteous in any one of us. Romans 3.23 tells us this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned, every one of us, and it's only through 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ where we obtain salvation. In Romans 5.1, he says that we're justified by faith. How? <clears throat> we have peace. What's the result? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, He loved us so much that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us His life. 6.1, he tells us this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin, that grace may abound? By no means, or may it never be. And the King James, this is for God forbid. In Romans 6.19, we see that we're sanctified, we're slaves. Uh, for just as you, were once pre, pre, you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, now we're slaves uh, leading to more losses. So now present your members as slaves. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. We are sanctified through Jesus Christ. And in 6.23 he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have eternal life through Christ. And Romans 9 tells us about his, how He sovereignly chose us. The doctrine of election. And how thankful we are this morning for these mercies of God as we look back and we see that, that He has uh, justified us. None of us are righteous of our own. It's only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he has justifies by faith. He has uh, give, given us, He has sanctified us, He's given us eternal life, and all by His sovereign power and His sovereign grace that He chooses us. And that causes us, the result of that causes you and I to really uh, do what verse 33 through 36 says when He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. How inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid for from Him? And through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. And we don't, we don't, we can't even understand the mind of God. He's, his knowledge and His wisdom is so much beyond us. So we are so thankful uh, for of these mercies that God, the mercy of God that He's given us. And this, then he goes on and he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. He said, I beseech, or I actually, I urge, I urge you, uh, or I implore, or invite, by the mercy of God, to do what? To present your bodies. We are to present our bodies as what? As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. By, so, by presenting our bodies to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
we can show forth his love, we can show forth his grace and to others. And we are thankful so much for uh, what he has done for you and I. He has given these things that we might use for the unity of the body of Christ. And we think, and this, now in looking at verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When he states, Do not be conformed to this world, he's speaking of the spirit of the age, of our basically of our age today. He's talking uh, in Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. He says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following what? The course of this world. And following the prince of the power of the air. In verse 3, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we see that the world, the flesh, and the devil here has completely uh, caused us so often to just live after the passions of our flesh, doing those things that are completely contrary to the Word of God. And we all once lived in those when we, before we uh, come to salvation through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, now we are transformed by the renewing of your minds. But be transformed. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We desire to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Here Paul shows us a contrast and transformation takes place only when we as believers live out our inward redeemed nature in our daily lives. And that can happen only by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That changes our thinking through how the study of God's Word. That is how we are renewed uh, by Christ by the renewal of our mind. Uh, we can find this uh, in Psalm 119.11. He says, Hide God's word in our heart that we will not sin before him. We need to hide God's word. We need to memorize his word and place it in our hearts so we will not sin against him. And in Psalms 1 verse 2, Uh, David says, delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law you meditate day and night. And that's something we need to take the word of God and, and meditate on it day and night. And we need to completely saturate ourselves with his word. In Colossians 3.16 he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Uh, 
That's the holy divine scripture. It's extravagantly rich. It controls every thought, every word, and every deed of our lives. And Philippians 8 tells us that whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good and honest, he said, if there be things excellent, think on these things. It will help build us up in Christ. Causes us to grow in Him. That we might be completely transformed and renewed in our minds by God's Word. And then he, he goes on and he says in Psalm 42, verse 1, he says, As the deer... Pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. In verse 2 he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Do you and I really hunger and thirst for the Word of God? Do you and I really love our God? We would all say, yes, we do. But how much time then do you and I actually spend daily in his word, communing with God our Father. These are questions that we need to ask each one of us personally. You cannot ask them for me, nor I can for you. But they're very important questions that we need to ask. My dear brother in Christ, our friend, uh, Gordon Rumble, tells me that on the average we spend 28 minutes a day Eating food, taking care of our, feeding our outward body. But he did a, I guess, a statistic stating that professing Christians in America spend seven minutes per week reading God's Word. So that's 28 minutes a day to feed our bodies, our outward body, one minute a day to feed our souls. Something's wrong with that picture, huh? That should cause each one of us to really repent. I don't know about you, but so many times we do fail to spend time in the Word of God. We wonder then, because what does he go on and say? He says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You want to know the will of God in your life? Test through the Word of God. The Word of God will show us the will of God. And our goal, I think, for the end of this year, or starting the new year, then we find would it be in Romans 8, 29, when he said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can only do that as we 
place ourselves under the mighty hand of the power of the Holy Spirit of God and we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We want transformation to take place in our hearts. That which is inward to come out. And so my prayer for each one of us in this new year of 2019 is that we would become more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would bring honor and glory to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's time now to close, and so we'll do so in a word of prayer, and then Pastor Phil is going to come up and lead us in communion. Heavenly Father, we, we come humbly before you just now, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the testimonies of uh, those believers who, in our congregation, who have allowed the Holy Spirit to guide their lives and their hearts in this past year. And I just pray, Lord, that each one of us might find ourselves transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ and that we might, each one, live a life that would show forth the life of Jesus. Father, we do not know what's ahead in the year of 2019, but we know that you're sovereign. We know that you love us. And we know that we desire, above all, to bring honor and glory to your name. Forgive us, Lord, where so often we have come short, where we failed you. And I thank you so much, Father, that you have made us worthy only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so help us then to just live a life for the power of your Spirit to glorify your name. And we thank you in Jesus Christ. Amen.